I always selected for opposite ends of the spectrum in males and females. So, for example, I would make sure that I was pollinating like the really large, longer flowering green phenos with the fat, stumpy, fast flowering purple males, um, just to kind of keep that genetic diversity going. Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. You're listening to The Dirt Show. Where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture. This is Higher Peaks. I'm sitting here with Greenwork 420. Brother, thank you for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Howdy. Thanks for having me, man. Now, you haven't sat down with us in like, God, it's been what, four years? Three years? Three and Something a half like years? That. Yeah. Last time we sat yeah, down was in a park? Was, uh, yeah, in a park before everything went wacky. <laughs> Haywire. Well, yeah. I want you to start there. I want to catch up with you because, you know, obviously you've had a ton going on everything from cannabis, everybody knows you as, as a cannabis cultivator, a medical patient. Um, but I know that you've been through some pretty crazy things, whether it's health, cannabis, all of it. So you want to kind of catch us up, brother? All right. Um, geez. Let's see. Uh, so, um, man, a lot has happened since the last time I was on the show. Yes. Um, I mean, the last time you and I talked was then. So um, I'm trying to think. Open-ended questions are actually something that, like, are sort of difficult for me. Okay. Um, it's one of it's it's like it's one of my autism traits. So okay. like, I can I'll, I'll I have a tendency to just go off. But steer me if if you need to. I'll give this a shot. <laughs> um, uh, last few years, I uh, I've had a lot of health stuff come up, as you mentioned. Um, the summer before the pandemic, I was building a fence and I clocked myself on the head with a, a, a post driver and got a concussion. Um, and for an idea of what a post driver is, it's kind of like if you picture like a long tube that's about the, the heaviness and like the size of a post you would use in like a chain link fence. Um, and it's hollow, but then one end is like solid and there's handles on the side. So you can like slam like uh, T-posts into the ground for making fences. And so I was doing that and I had a hard hat lying on the ground. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't put it on and I was going and the tip of it clipped like the top of the, the top of the T-post and I just slammed it with all my force right on the top of my head, knocked me out on the ground. So like I had some like interesting times after that. I had mood changes and like all kinds of like, stuff that is associated with concussions um and some of the muscles around like my rib cage were affected so like i had like breathing problems and then 
in like late December, early January. In late December, I remember um, my daughter was in preschool and, and she was talking about how one of her friends in like, it was like December 20th, right before the holiday break came back from uh, traveling and had like a layover in Southern China. And then everybody at my daughter's preschool had like allergic reactions and like was like getting sick and stuff. And then a few weeks later, I got sick and um, the timeline of it didn't match up enough for me to like get proper medical care. <laughs> so like my doctor ended up like treating me with like antibiotics, and steroids, and like di- diagnosed me with like asthma and um it led into this like cycle of like upping asthma meds and like more and more like kind of intense treatments. Um, so there was like a year there where I was on, I did like three rounds of steroids, three rounds of antibiotics. And I had upped like five levels in like asthma inhalers going from like as needed to like steroids with long acting like beta antagonists to keep the airways open. And it still wasn't working. Um, So I finally got referred to a pulmonologist. All this pandemic shit was going on. So I finally got my pulmonology appointment and I was running late. I ran up the stairs and they checked my temperature. It was like 100.5. Like, ah, sent me home. It It was the middle of like July too. So it was super hot. And like, I ran up the stairs and like, I had a hat on. So like, yeah, it was hot. And I'm like, I'm getting sent home here from the specialist to help me with this illness I have because I have the illness. <laughs> um, so by September, I got seen by a pulmonologist and uh, he he did CTs of my chest and like all, like some other blood tests and stuff and actually uh, found out that I, I had a form of aspergillosis which is actually super significant right now with the testing they're doing in Oregon. Um, so that's something I'd like to talk a little more about at some point. Um, but to kind of continue that, I was put on a three-month treatment of this like cytotoxic antifungal systemic medication. Um, cytotoxic medications are ones that like kind of target cells and kill them, but like in a less like discriminate and targeted way than an antibiotic would. Um, so because fungal cells and human cells are really similar, it kills human cells while it kills fungal cells. So like there was a 10% chance of uh, cardiac arrest, for example, to do the three month treatment because it was doing that much damage to like my heart tissues and like other stuff to kill the fungal. Um, kind of short of breath because I'm actually getting over another infection right now. So you'll have to excuse me for that. Yeah. But take your time. Anyway, <laughs> we got through to March, got my second CT, the nodule that was found like a little scar on my right lung hadn't grown. So I have to get another one soon at the, you know, at like around now to make sure that it hasn't grown again and then we can rule out lung cancer. But uh, uh, they, they started saying like stabilized and like People weren't saying, like, we just need to get your airways open and keep you out of the hospital and stuff around, like, March, April 2021. Mm-hmm. So I was proper ill that whole time from, like, like early January 2020 all the way through. Um, wow. 
yeah. And and I've I've had I've had long COVID symptoms since then. Um I get short of breath. Like this is like way more talking than I usually do. No, you're fine. Um just slow down if you need I to. I used an inhaler, like okay. <laughs> yeah, they've got me on an inhaler. Um so it's been it's been wild and I basically had to stop gardening altogether. Um I had projects that I was trying to do that just got stopped dead in their tracks over the course of that like year of just sort of deterioration physically. Um and I ended up with like one plant <laughs> this this uh pink rose pink platinum male that I'm about to pollinate some stuff with. Like just to kind of tie it back to the cannabis world, I ended up with this one like male plant. It's cool that it's a male plant, right? Because yeah. then I can kind of bring that into everything else and mm. sort of like and it's not limited to like having this female cut that I have to keep alive forever. I can, I can pollinate some stuff with it. Yeah, yeah. Kind of continue his journey that way if he dies one day. But uh, yeah, that's that's a big part of what's been going on. Um, I mean, I've been I've been homeschooling my two kids. They're they're both on the autism spectrum also, um, and they have like ADHD subtypes. So like things are pretty rowdy and uh, busy around the house a lot. Um, but that, yeah, I mean, that's just sort of, well, and it, it was a long road of recovery too, wasn't it for you? Yeah. Well, after, after I stopped taking the, uh, anti, anti-fungals, I had to taper off of the steroids. So I was on prednisone for like six months straight besides the little burst. And, um, yeah, I mean, since then I've been, I mean, I, I got to probably like, 70% recovered um, late last year. Mm-hmm. So I'd say after about 32 to 33 months, I felt like I was like kind of plateaued at like 70% of my pre 2020 abilities. Um, then I got COVID again in December and ended up on steroids in the ER for lung inflammation, post COVID lung inflammation. And like I got diagnosed with long COVID on top of long COVID. <laughs> um, so, I mean, recovery is an interesting thing. Cause like, I think for a lot of people that, um, you know, and this isn't even like a COVID thing. People have had post viral issues for, I mean, forever. Like the, the, the 1918 flu did that to a lot of people. There were a lot of like, you know, lasting, conditions from that so um i mean it's nothing new but sometimes you know you're going about your life and like you get sick with something and your road to recovery lasts until you stop breathing and uh, i think for like a lot of people right now there's so many people that are getting sick um that's just sort of there's what you got a 90 percent chance of recovering without getting long covid so like you get infected with covid every six to 12 months for how many times does that leave before we're up there and like the, you know, above 99% chance, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I do have a friend that's going through some similar things with that. So, uh, it, it, it's, it's tough, man. Um, yeah, it's not linear, I guess was my point, you know? Yeah. Like, they're like, I mean, in, in a lot of senses, like a lot of us are just always recovering from something, right? You know, so seems like sort it. Of, yeah, it's a matter of perspective. Like, 
what goals you set that sort of let you define when you're recovered. Yeah. Um, that's kind of why I use the percentage thing, like, you know, 70%, like, then I, then I got knocked back down again. And then I got to like 90% of that 70%, you know, and then I got sick again, like three or four weeks ago and now I'm back down, like, you know, I'm trying to, I can water my plant still, but like, I can't like carry stuff, and, you know, um, makes everything 10 times as hard. I imagine. Dude. Yeah. Everything changed. Uh, like my whole life changed like super fast and it's at the point now where like you know i can do stuff like uh spray a gallon of you know compost tea for example i have some some just add water compost tea i don't know how that works but i can spray that but then after like a gallon's worth of pumping and spraying I get this thing where my heart's beating all fast and I'm sweating like crazy. I have to take all my clothes off and go sit in front of the fan and stuff and, Man. you know, use my inhaler. And it, it's just, I mean, everything's different now. Um, luckily, my wife will help me in the garden. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really, I, I just wouldn't be able to do anything in mm-hmm. there uh, besides maybe pop some seeds and water them. But, you know, uh, yeah, it's uh, I I was I had I was diagnosed with something called adjustment disorder, and I think I'm out of it because I've I've kind of just come to terms with everything. But there was a while there where I just really like wouldn't accept like you know that things changed and my abilities changed dramatically and out of nowhere unexpectedly. That black rose F10 number three, it's the same one that that JD uses for. Uh, or organ cutthroat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same mom. So Got he made it. pink rose by pollinating that plant with uh, Sacagawea mail, which yeah. was bred by Sunny Chiba. And Sacagawea is a cross of Blue Magoo, so um, Williams Wonder across with CJ Short Blueberry, and Sunny's Tuskunky ma- uh, yeah, Tuskunky mail, <laughs> which was uh, an Uzbekistani hash plant crossed with a skunk number one um so he made the pink rose and he did this whole pink rose like pollen release right but while he was doing that he like had like a couple plants that were super resinous that all the pollen was like going from and like he let me like take some pollen from just the resinous ones and i I, like just a little bit because he was like dude you can't just go and take the good pollen out because he was all sharing it with people you know um so, but I, I just took like a little bit, this one, that one, and that one. I think there was like three of them. And it was just enough to pollinate like, I want to say like six or seven different plants that I had in like solo cut. So I got like maybe 20 seeds of each one, right? Um, and one of them was Platinum Girl Scout cookies. So that's where the pink platinum came from. Okay. Um, so then I went and I popped those all open. And it was like 20, 22 or something. And uh, there was this one male that had this long middle finger. So like as soon as he started growing, I just noticed him because every time they would pray, it looked like he was flipping me off. You know, like just this super long middle finger, like wide, like an indica, but super long. Like, huh. like it was just really weird morphology. Um, 
I ended up selecting him not because of that, but he stood out from the start. I selected him because of his like hashy kind of like uh, like peppery berry terps and the resin that he put out mostly. Okay. Um, he was highly resinous. So then I, I pollinated one of the females that JD had selected when he made that pink rose cross. Um, he grew out the males, collected the pollen. He also grew out the females. And there was this number five female, which was like a really like, um, she looked a lot like the black rose, but I don't like smoking that particular black rose mom. She tastes like burnt crayons, the, the F10 number three. So this kind of brought in some nice, like berry, like hash punk to it. Um, and so from that, <laughs> I pulled, I don't know, I, that was another really small pollination, so I had probably 50 or 60 seeds that I uh, was working with, and I popped those along with like a bunch of other ones, and then I got too sick to water. <laughs> so I've got all these plants, and they're all sitting there in these, in these four-inch pots of just cocoa, so like no nutrients in them or anything, no microlife. Um, or maybe I guess there's probably some in cocoa. Anyway, it was just in cocoa. Yeah. So like, you know, cocoa likes to be watered often and fed often. Oh yeah. And I ended up going six months where I, I literally, all I could do was just go in there like with a hose from my yard and like spray stuff down. So everything either got PM and like rotted out or got root rot or a bunch of times everything just went bone dry and wilted, including this male. Um, so he was just abused, probably watered like three or four times during like four to six months of being in that little pot and fed maybe twice and everything else was dead. Right? So like I go in there, two lights, five by 10 tent packed full of four inch pots, everything dead except for this one plant. Right. Yeah. So I took him and I went to go pollinate some stuff outside with them, but like these goats we had broke into my greenhouse and ate them down to like this like teeny leaf like that big. So then I took a pot back inside and he revegged and he revegged into the plant that I'm flowering now. I just realized when I was shooting a live the other day, a live video, that he's been in now a two gallon pot for like closing in on two years. <laughs> oh wow so two summers ago that i yeah it was two summers ago that i put him out there so like he just sticks to himself he doesn't get too big he doesn't stretch out he clones like a champ he doesn't flower out in any condition besides light deprivation from what i can tell um so yeah i'm about to uh pollinate a big tent with him and uh and do you just I'm super excited about it? Do you just kind of open air pollinate? I mean, basically, basically just set the plant in there and let them do his thing, or that's what I do like most of the time. Um, this time, what I'm doing is I actually set up a separate pollen collection chamber because I'm growing some plants that I want to keep, you know, mostly seedless as possible, not too far from where I'm where I'm pollinating the plants. So. I have like one tent over here and then I have another tent like over there. Right. And so I'm going to collect the pollen from them into um, like newspaper that I have sitting below the plant in a spare shower, actually, that I put some lights in on timers and 
it gets real dark in there if you don't have the lights on at night. So he's flowering beautifully. I bet. I and, bet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to take the, the, the idea is I'm going to take the newspaper. Well, first I'll go turn all the, all the fans off, all the intakes and exhaust fans get turned off for both fans. And then fold up the pollen inside like the newspaper and go straight over to the seed tent, you know, which will be open already yeah. with all the fans turned off, you know, and then we'll turn this one circulating fan, <laughs> excuse me, <sighs> circulating fan on. See, I got that weird chesting. Yeah. Um, and then just dump, the, I'm, I'm going to dump the pollen on there and let it fly. Okay. Right? And it's going to get all over me and it's going to like fly around and someone will escape. But the thing is, people get like really, really anal about the pollen. And it's actually like a lot easier to work with than a lot of people like talk about in terms of pollinating things in one area and keeping another one seedless. So I'm going to get all covered in pollen and I'm going to zip up the tent as soon as the pollen's flying around everywhere. So all the plants in there are going to get pollinated. But then, I'll take a shower, so I'll be on nice and clean. There won't be any calling on me, and I'll go and I'll take some water and I'll just spray down that tent and all the plants with water the next day. Um, it's not going to kill everything to not have like the fans on for exhaust and and stuff for like a day, and uh, that's long enough for the pollen to take on the plants. So I'll go and as soon as I see the pistols all shriveled up and stuff, spray everything down. That'll kill the pollen. And I can turn all my intake and exhaust fans on. And uh, everything should not be pollinated in one tent and well pollinated in the other. I but, see. Um, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> interesting. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's crazy. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the water's just making it uh, ineffective, so to speak. It actually germinates it. Oh, does apparently. it? Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, and. And uh, I saw on your IG that you had had uh, that plant in. You said the shower. It's <laughs> <laughs> in the spare shower. <laughs> Dude, people are loving that, man. Giving you some good positive feedback with your growth chamber. <laughs> it's funny, man. <laughs> well, that is a beautiful male. It looks like you're going to have some fun with it, man. Uh, yeah. So you're still doing a lot of work with JD then? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, it, Basically, right now, like, it's always kind of been like we do our own things, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, like, this plant and sort of the process I described of the plants and the pollen that JD gave me and then what I did with them, that's about as collaborative as things realistically get, you know? Um, and that's just, that's just to keep it easier, yeah. you know? So, like, he has what he's doing and I have what I'm doing. And, you know, once anything besides a hobby gets involved with that it's just a lot easier on the friendship and stuff but um yeah no i i mean i share plants with him um any plant that he wants that i get my hands on at this point um he has access to and you know i try to be really upfront with people about that because he's done the same thing for me for years you know so uh he's you know not any plant obviously because some of the plants at his house aren't aren't his they're like bj's plants yeah, yeah, so I can't right. Be like, I want the blueberry mail, <laughs> the flow plant. I want to make five thousand flow seeds. Like, but uh, you <laughs> right. know, um, like he's he's got some pets that he's he's hardening off his house to give me, and 
think I've got something to give him. So we sort of do that. We hand stuff back and forth. Um, and it's cool because we're both looking for like really similar things. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, heavy resin, like concentrated turps, but like, like good ones. <laughs> you know, we both have kind of like similar, like, like things with like, we, we get vertigo if we smoke something that like tastes heavily like grapefruit, for mm. example luck of mine like a third of what i grew outdoors this year just straight grapefruit turf but uh you know so <laughs> it makes it it makes it interesting because there's like there's kind of this this uh angle to it where it ends up being like extra selection past what each of us are doing individually mm-hmm. you know um and there's kind of like this like cross-checking that happens mm-hmm. you know so like we'll have a plant we'll be growing it and we share it with each other and like we have each other smoke like the stuff that we grow and it kind of gives us this idea of like which plants really stick out to us which plants kind of stick out to more than just us because sometimes you have that plant that you really like and other people are like whatever (laughs) you know and it kind of if you're if you're trying to make a crop of seeds and you have to choose between two different plants that you really like and one of them happens to be a plant that like other people aren't really into, then maybe leave that one out for now and use the other one that you and everybody else like. Yeah. 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 You were pretty auto heavy. Are you still, is that your focus? No, no, it's never been like my focus. Oh, okay. Um, okay. It's like, I, I definitely, I think, uh, am like kind of known for some of the work I've done with autoflowers, for sure. Um, it's just because I, I, you know, the first real breeding experiment that I took on was this deep sea creature autoflower. And I really One want of my to start favorites. with him again. Yeah. It's, it's really good, right? Dude, I, I, my seed bank still has a very, very limited selection of your, uh, your seeds, man. And that one is I'll one of them. The deep, that. The deep sea, yeah. The, well, thank you. The deep sea creature, man. Uh, you'll have to remind me because I I get lost in so many names in cannabis anymore. But I have mm-hmm. your old dude. I have your old full spec work, man. I got the old packaging. Dude, I got old packaging. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I got. I was there from the beginning. Well, basically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, and those were some of my favorites, man. You know, that deep sea creature, the, just the gorgeousness of them and, and the mm-hmm. fun that I had. Yeah. So I, I did stockpile. I really, I'm telling you, like maybe three, four beans at most, maybe five of a couple of them. But, but I, <laughs> I had to stockpile them away, man, because, you know, they, they were a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I didn't mean I, to inter- I make more of those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt no, you no, with you, that, you, but. You didn't know. But when you when you said those genetics, it reminded me. I was like, oh man, yeah, those were great. So, but yeah, I mean, go if you want to yeah, talk about those. Always great feedback. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the DC creature. I. You know, I think I just kind of did things a little bit differently with those, and I lucked out with a couple of the selections I made. Um. And. You know. Uh kind of the process I used with that was I had like three different lines um, of these autos, right? So mm-hmm. I had like the auto AK, 
the purple auto AK and like a back cross between the two. And those were all at like F4. So I started working those together and over the process of like probably five or six years doing maybe two to three generations a year, I wasn't like fully working them, you know. Um, I got up to what is it? It's like it's like F seven, F eight, like with a couple of back crosses in there, but I always selected for opposite ends of the spectrum in males and females. So for example, I would make sure that I was pollinating like the really large, longer flowering green phenos with the fat, stumpy, fast flowering purple male. Yeah. Um, just to kind of keep that genetic diversity going. Uh And then another thing that happened was, and you know, this is where I think, um, auto flowers are kind of like, excuse me, let me touch my breath here. Go ahead. (sighs) Sorry. Very good. So for a long time, everybody growing auto flowers was growing them in like really small spaces small containers, closets, stuff like that. Um, And so what I was doing was I was selecting indoors for things that could really easily be controlled, like, um, you know, resin production, uh, like terpene content, potency, and not really focusing too much on the yield. And then I would go outside and I would focus more on like the overall robustness of the plant, things like resistance, vigor, um, and yield. And I think that that process is sort of like really sometimes fine tuning the turfs and the resin and the color, and then other times going and like making sure that the genetic, whatever gene pool is left open as much as possible. So it didn't bottleneck into like only this one phenotype. Um, it was those outdoor selections, I think, that really sort of kind of bumped that deep sea creature like out of the same like sort of sort of trying to think of how to explain it. Like, it, I think that's what set it apart, basically. Okay. And I'm seeing a lot of other breeders now also making collections of, like greenhouses and outdoors um, for auto flowers, mm-hmm. whereas they used to just that that just wasn't happening for some reason. Um, and now you're seeing these autos that are just, you know, the resin and the potency and the turps are there because people are still selecting for that. But you're seeing these monster plants now <laughs> that you never yeah. used to see. Yeah. You know? Starting um, to. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and in one sense, I'm kind of feeling like, you know, my, my, my deep sea creatures are a little less like stand out in that regard. But, uh, it's a process, you know, everybody's, everybody's working towards the same goals and we're all reaching them in different steps and stuff. So, uh, yeah, well, I I just think it's totally unique to be honest. It was a unique, uh, strain that I got to work with and, um, I I just completely, yeah, I completely enjoyed it, man. What was the other one started with a K, you know, which one it was. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Crush rush. Crush rush. Bro, that was, (laughs) that was my top one. That was basically, that was basically a great crush, like fast version, they would say. Because it was a cross between this like mom that, that Jeremy had, the JD had, the 
the Great Crush number 18 from when he and DJ did selections for the Great Crush throwback. And this 18 was heavy grape, but like really hard to keep alive. Like it was auto flowering under like, like 19.5 lighting, which is like, that's a really mellow schedule. Um, so I pollinated her with a blueberry auto line that I had and the results were like, Somebody showed me a picture of some plant that they swore finished in like like five or six weeks of flowering or something, which kind of adds up on the auto flower time timeline, but normally I would call bullshit on that. You know? Um but I like those a lot. Um it, and I've been thinking a lot recently about working those into a full auto line. That I would be interested in that by far. Yeah, I, I enjoyed those, man. Um, I did run those outside though, and I did maximize what I got out of them. I thought, um, nice. but two of my favorites, those two, those two were it. Uh, <laughs> now are you re still releasing seeds at all? Like I know for a while there you uh, had, and did, weren't you at DC seed exchange or yeah. something? Was it DC? Yeah. DC. Um, that's the only seed bank who's actually followed through and like carried my stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, shout out to DC Seed Exchange. Yeah. Uh, Mike over there is just, a, he's really good people. Um, Paul and Chucker. So, um, but I mean, you know, I, I kind of, I started sort of offering stuff on my own website. Um, and one of the things that happened is I haven't made seeds in so long that I, can't really back like the long-term viability of what I still have. So for example, I still have like a few crosses made with the sour V mail. Oh, cool. but I made those. Thanks. I made those though late. No, not late 2019, 28, late 2018. So like those are like five years old now. And generally after three years, like I, I just, I just don't trust them. I could do a germination test right now. I could get 90%. I could get 95%, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's like a certain point where that viability just knows that. Yeah. And if that's a year from now, and you know, I germ tested my stuff, it germ tested great. But then I send the seeds to somebody and they don't grow them for 18 months and they get 30 to 60% germination. That just kind of sucks. So, um, yeah. I hope to start selling seeds again, but for the time being, I've kind of shut that down until I have like fresh stock for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, that's cool. Mine is, yeah. is as old as that. My sour V I still have is, uh, I guess as old as that. That was 2016, 17. I think I made it 17, probably. Mm, no, because 2018, I made crosses with it. All I know is I spent. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just I was just thinking out loud. I made the crosses with a male I found in testing. So somewhere somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. All I know is I spent like two and a half years. years crossing years and JD's stuff. Like I just crossed the shit out of it. Like <laughs> I took and crossed all your stuff with his plumberry and the organ cutthroat. Dude, nice. I never took it past F1. I mean, I just, I crossed it once and, and threw the beans in my bank. Um, and then 
I I did a lot of crosses with the Sour V and the uh, Crush Rush. I never crossed the um, the. Uh, oh, I, I can't even believe I lost it now. Oh, the, <laughs> the thank you, Deep Sea Creature. Yeah, I never crossed that one because I liked oh. it too much. So. <laughs> But one thing about your stuff is it was always like you always have tough males. Like it seems to be one of your things is you well, tough plants in general. But I mean, like you beat the shit out of some of your plants. Oh, dude. I mean, like sometimes you'll get. Yeah, sometimes you'll get online. and You'd be like, oh, yeah, I just found this plant. It was was like six years old. I never watered it, never fed it. Uh, The the chickens came through and ate it and then they shit on it. And Uh it it just it still grows. I don't know, man. Yeah, no, that's at this point, if if I'm going to keep a plant around, it kind of needs to be able to fend for itself. (laughs) Um, Ebb and flow, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's frustrating sometimes um, because, you know, a friend of mine last summer was moving out of state and he dropped off like 45 or 50, like super hot elites and stuff, you know? So um, that's where most of the plants I have right now came from. And some of them had been outside. So I found myself in this situation where like, I couldn't really care for plants that well. And I had a ton of plants in a small space and they had foliar aphids and thrips and, and uh, fungus gnats and spider mites all at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, I'm beating all these things back and like, some of them didn't make it, not you know. So the plants that I still have now that I was able to take and finally like cut up and put into a cloner after I had cleaned the most of the bugs off of them, most of them, um, the ones that still rooted and then grew out and were able to get cloned again, which is kind of at the point I'm at with things now. Those are the ones that really like they'll they'll stay alive. <laughs> so I forget to water them, and I come back and they're just completely flopped over. I'm like. I can water them and they'll come back, you know. Um, but that's just sort of something I need. And I think that's something that, you know, um, the person that really sort of kind of brought it to my attention actually was JD one time when we were talking. And a lot of really popular cuts are ones that happen to be easy to propagate. This <laughs> is one of the things I think definitely holds true there's the ones like you know triangle kush for example yeah really really bomb stuff like uh um the lamb's bread sour diesel is gonna root for me so anyway yeah but so like basically at this point all my plants are ones that are like i really like smoking them or a lot of people that i grow for and share with really like smoking them and they're also really easy to keep alive like not even doable but like they easy you know yeah um yeah and that's that's something i think uh isn't really being bred for um because a lot of these places people have things dialed in uh stuff automated or have employees and the plants are going to get cared for kind of no matter what because it's a business right i'm not really a business though i'm just a hobby grower yeah with a garden so There's, there's no guarantees that things are going to be cared for well. And as a result of that, there isn't this thing happening where plants are getting selected without any stress testing, mm-hmm. um, which I think is happening like a lot. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah. I think, I think it happens mostly. I mean, you might get some breeders that actually carry through a breeding process like it should be done over time, which as you know, takes time. Uh, and I think those people probably apply that, but man, a lot of people, I mean, who's going to, who wants to find a unicorn that takes five years? You want to find it like the lottery ticket, right? And, uh, and just put out whatever it is, uh, whenever you find it. Um, but, uh, I, I, you do do a lot of work with your stuff. Um, I, I noticed too, one of your passions about your work, it seems to me at least is that you put a lot of effort into finding the ones and getting the strains together that make you feel the best. I mean, and screw the rest. (laughs) You're like, but these well, were yeah. great for me. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I have yeah, yeah. probably I have probably three or four that I keep just because I like the plants and I like the plants that it produces when I breed with them. Um, but you know, I yeah, for the most part, if if I don't get like a specific benefit from it, there's not room for it in my garden. And, yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's part of just the medicinal side of things, I think. Right. You know? Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I know that sounds funny. People are out there probably going like, yeah, dude, that's why you grow your own weed is so you, <laughs> you get what you want. I get that. I didn't mean it like that, but, uh, it's just that, um, you know, some people do the like, well, I grew it for, you know, because it's whatever terps that I like, I grew it for that and this or that. And it's like, it, it's really not so medical. I hear a lot of people growing just for the flavor or just for the smell. Now, not to say that's yep. not medical. I mean, do you find that there are terps that you said that you do like or that make you messed up or dizzy or yep. whatever? So Actually, and you think that um, goes, not to interrupt you, but do you think that goes back to the terpenes or do you think that's something else that could be in there? You think it's terpenes? Terpenes. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I've noticed if it, like anything with grapefruit terps and like, stuff in the kind of like uh like sort of like uh train wreck chernobyl kind of end of things really messes with my anxiety kind of gives me like vertigo um and like for example uh when i was having really bad breathing problems in 2020 my daughter brought me in some rosemary from the yard and I don't, I don't know why she did that. I don't know how she knew, but looking it up, it does have like anti-inflammatory properties. And so I was breathing that and all of a sudden, like I could, I could take deep, full breath. So, um, rosemary is actually a terpene. That's not like, that's not a terpene, but the terps that make up like the rosemary smell and stuff, I think linalool and some other ones, those are ones that like, I'm really interested in breeding for, um, because I definitely think that a big part of the effect is the tripping. I mean, and so just to sum that up, you think a lot of the medical, I should say, effect comes from the terpenes? You know, forget that. I think a lot the of the ratios. effects in general. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and it's different for everybody is, is the interesting thing, you know? So, yeah. like, I used to really like stuff like uh, with, with that really sharp kind of, like, grapefruity flavor profile. Mm-hmm. Um but now it just, it makes me really uncomfortable. Like, and I, you know, I have panic disorder. It just makes me feel like I'm just like freaking out, you know? Um, but like I can sit and smoke like Mendo breath, like all day, you know, anything can, it's not a matter of potency. 
You know, like I really like my stuff to be potent, but it, it has to make me like feel good, not just feel a lot of something. <laughs> and I think that right. that's kind of like inbreeding for potency without breeding for effect specifically. That's one of the things you run into, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Do you, do you, uh, what effects do you think that higher THC would have? Um, I mean, in terms of the know, person, so it, it's kind of the catalyst, you know, I, I think the THC is sort of like what drives the engine. It's like mm-hmm. the gas you put in the car. Right. Mm-hmm. But the terpenes and the you know lavanoids and anthocyanins mm-hmm. and all this mm-hmm. other stuff in the plant, that's what makes the difference between riding on like a Greyhouse bus or, you know, in someone's Corvette or, right. you know like uh, an SUV, like these it's all different you're going somewhere yeah. right yeah so i like that analogy that's um, good thanks yeah i think i think that's a big thing and uh that's why i always tell people like you know if you're new to it or if you're kind of struggling to find something that works medicinal medicinally even if you're not new to it you just gotta smell some jars <laughs> like smells a few yeah. kinds and yeah. you get to one where you're just like, Ooh, you want to smell it again. And you just, you want that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of how to like guide, Attract it, yeah. you know, what you're selecting for. Sure. Um, do, uh, so. do you find yourself cornering yourself with terpenes? Like, you know, no. I'm, I'm finding like, I only like this or, you know, uh, you, you're still getting a good selection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, variety is the spice of life. Sure. Really. Yeah. Um, and and you know, I've got like a lot of weird medical conditions that I'm dealing with right now. So like anything that helps with like spasms or inflammation or um like memory and focus or um fatigue or this you know, it helps me breathe, the bronchodilator, like there's this whole list of things where I might be like, ah, that one works for this, you know? And then that plant like gets selected and earns its place. Yeah. Fleece. Fleece is Got a huge it. one, man. Got it. Yeah. So you, um, you're really you know, specific. Yeah. 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 I keep Sunday driver just because it puts me to sleep. Like if I smoke it at night, I will fall asleep with a pipe in my hand. Nice. That's a good choice yeah. too. Yeah. You know, anything what? that'll do that. I mean, versus taking you know whatever sleeping pill that won't even fucking work as well i agree i agree man or or screw you up on the addiction side or something um i got i got i got two questions for you one is the generalization of sativa and indica for you does that even work or uh because i know it does Okay, because I I do know that like you said anxiety stuff i i got anxiety issues too and i do have to watch certain strains I don't know if that's indica sativa related more so than terpenes, but but um, what's your thought on that? I think it's terpenes. Yeah. So strains that I've noted have made my anxiety worse are anything with grapefruit terps. Yeah. Um. So this like uh, blackberry diesel crossed with blue Tahoe F4 that I grew outdoors last summer. Mm-hmm. It sucks because they were the best looking plants in the garden, but I just I can't. My wife's fine with it. I freak out. Interesting, um, yeah. Sour diesel for the longest time. Uh, most cuts of sour I would get triggered the panic. And um, that's obviously more of a hybrid. Yeah. Uh, so there's two hybrids on the list here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, recently, I got Albany Sour, which is like anti-anxiety for me. Um, so that's good ADHD meds. Band-Aid Haze is a good example of a sativa that helps kind of calm and focus me. Um, and then what was the indica? Oh, LA Confidential. And anything with LA Confidential in it has triggered anxiety for the last like six years for me. And I really liked it 10 years ago. So these are all things that can kind of change also within the person, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and then, um, my other question is, is, uh, what, what's your opinion on the skunk race, if you will, if you know what I mean by that? Um, <laughs> everybody out there seems to be um, racing to find the skunk number one, old school skunk. Do I, have to, I mean, I can keep saying this. Yeah. Same. I, and I, I would like to find the original stuff. I haven't seemed to be able to find it, but there's so many people claiming they found it or gonna find it or it's, <laughs> what's your opinion? You know, um, so, Last last summer, I grew this this uh, genetic from fire in the hole genetic, and it was M ninety one crossed with deep chunk. And the number five, it smelled you know it smelled all the way across my yard like a skunk, dead on like a skunk, even to the point where my next door neighbor mentioned it smelling like a skunk. Um, I cut it up and cured it, and it kind of lost a lot of that. Yeah. But, you know, I think those terps are out there. I don't think it's a specific gene pool, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm not sure it like, is either, like, but... I think it can be found. One, I do think that we've over-processed it to the point, though, where, um, like, there's some old-school flavors, not just skunk, but, you know, and, I, and I, I wonder if that's just not my old head being, you know... Uh, you know, just thinking back and being nostalgic or something, but it seems like there was a handful of flavors other than the skunk too, that, that we just don't have around anymore. And, uh, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird coming from the early nineties, man. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see a lot of stuff with like garlic and like, um, that really kind of like pungent, like almost sour acrid smell yeah um and i've noticed a lot of the time also like when i do find plants that have those smells i lose that in my cure mm. um so because i've found a few plants over the last few years where like i'll walk into the grow room and it's in veg and i'm just like oh that that's it like i found it you know because it smells dead on like there's a skunk yeah. Like I'm from Northern California, so I grew up around just skunk sure. everywhere, man. Yeah. And it smells just like that sometimes. And then yeah. you harvest it and you cure it and it it just start kind of loses that. Things end up going more onto like the kind of sweet chemical end of things a lot of the time in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think it's out there. I think it's a recessive like flavor profile that's going to be really hard to get back because it does seem like everybody can agree we lost it. At this point, it seems like if it. Yeah. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Do you even buy Dispo weed anymore? Uh, um, I mean, I'm not like I, once in a while, you know, but I just, I haven't had to because last summer was such a good outdoor summer in Oregon. 
uh, it I was. That I was cut, I was cutting down like on the. I think the last plant I cut down was on October nineteenth, and then it started raining like on the twentieth or twenty first. But usually my plants are molding by September twenty eighth here. Oh, like a majority of my things will start having problems with with bud rot and stuff, and it just didn't happen last summer. Was awesome. Yeah, it it was a good summer. We did have a late water in June, though. I remember it raining in June, but but uh, it was a good summer for sure. Um, did you want to circle? You know what? I won't get at a dispensary. What? What I won't get at a dispensary, and this is this is kind of circling back actually to what I think you were going to say. Um, vape carts, because when I was working with an allergist to taper off of the steroids for the aspergillosis. There you go. She was really, she really just assumed that I was a vape cart user when I said that I used cannabis. Um, and then she got all confused when I said only flowers, never vape carts. She was like, that's never vape carts? Because she said that she cultured Aspergillus fumigatus, which is the specific one that I had problems with and was like growing inside me. Um, she's cultured that from a lot of vape carts here in Oregon. And she said uh, heavy metal content in those things is like off the charts too. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can so, imagine yeah, the metals I, are at in this there. Point, but... like, you know, the thing people don't think about is you're concentrating stuff. Yeah. So like any contaminants are getting concentrated too. And, you know, um, it's hard because like there's not really like a, a safety threshold for a lot of this stuff. No, there's not. And, you know, honestly, like on the metals part, you can taste the metal when you start getting to the bottom of those cards. You know what yeah. I mean? You're just like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. uh, oh, I'll throw that one away. Oh, and then you're just like, I wonder how many brain cells yeah. I just killed. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily always avoid the sensory weed, but I am kind of particular about which farms i get it from yeah like i try to get it from ones that like i can communicate with somewhat on instagram or that are pretty transparent about how they grow stuff um you know so i mean not not to be snobby about it you know i just haven't needed to for a while no i get it and now when you had problems with the uh, how do you say aspirilla how do you say it so (laughs) aspirilla so the the (laughs) The type of fungus is aspergillus. Aspergillus. Okay. And it, Got it. Yeah. So there's aspergillus niger, uh-huh. which is black mold, right? Got that's it. one of the four types of aspergillus that can be pathogenic to humans. Interesting. The one okay. that I had a problem with was fumigated subtype, which is on everything. Um, it's on the walls. It, it's one of the ubiquitous fungi that break down stuff so um it's all over decomposing matter and compost Mm -hmm. Uh, things that you'll also find it specifically listed to grow on are straw mulch and cannabis leaves interesting so So we're yeah i was doing indoor organic gardening with all three of those things in my garage when i got sick so do you think that's where you got it from was having it too much in the environment or yeah, I think it was from working with it. Um, and in, a, in, in most healthy people, it, you just breathe it, you breathe them in, breathe it out. You know, um, they're called 
Candidas, Candidas. I don't know exactly the name of the. It's like a fungal spore that wraps itself in something to protect itself, right? Right. Um, and those are what you actually inhale. And most people just cough them up. But if you've got like a compromised immune system, like really compromised, or severe asthma or cystic fibrosis, those are like the three people that can get sick from it. Um, <laughs> the thing is, right? They're marketing no-till to cancer patients and stuff as like a really good way to easily grow your cannabis without having to mix nutrients and fill buckets all the time. It's a risk. Like it's a risk to your health if you're immunocompromised from cancer medications to be growing that way in your closet, you know? Sure. And, uh, you know, with some of the stuff that, that they've learned about COVID, like that, that also you could have an asymptomatic COVID infection and your immune system could actually like get weakened or you could develop a like autoimmunity from it, you know, and uh, without knowing it, your protection against these things that you've been working around for years gets knocked down, you know, and leaves you open for infection. Yeah. So, so it, yeah, I, th- I think that's how it happened. Were, were you doing carts at that time too? I mean, or. No, no carts for years. Oh, good. Okay. But the house that I lived at before here, so like, I think it happened slowly and I, I developed like an allergic reaction to the stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, then basically got slapped with COVID followed by a bunch of drugs that basically crashed out my immune system. And I, I, I caught that, um, while I was on the antifungals to kill it, I actually developed thrush, which is like a fungal infection in your throat. I got that because I was using a steroid inhaler. But the thing is, the medication I was on was like a nuclear bomb compared to the bullet they gave me for the thrush infection. Right. So it should not have happened. Like My immune system was that trash. They tested me for HIV because of that. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So, like, just Holy to give shit. an idea of, like, how, how messed bad. up your immune system has to be for this to be a threat, you know? Yeah. That's insane. It's not just gonna, it's not just gonna, like, you're not gonna get aspergillosis just from, like, digging through some compost, you know? It has to be a lot of exposure and other stuff has to happen, too. And so, like, and didn't you get pneumonia for a while, too? Yeah. Yeah, around April 2020. Um, and, and, uh, the doctor I had was a COVID denier, which like didn't help because uh, she kept referring to all of this as like your asthma. And then I got diagnosed with the ADPA, allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis. She was like, oh, you, you got your weird diagnosis. Something super unusual, too. Good for you. Like, I wasn't trying to like, I'm not a hypochondriac. Like, I, asked, I asked my therapist about that. She's like, no, you've just been really sick with something that nobody can treat, you know? Yeah. Um, but I forgot. I forgot why I brought that up. Oh, well, uh, so, I mean, <laughs> are, things are calming down health-wise. So are you, I mean, it, it, does it look like you're in the clear of things? You're kind of going to get, it sounds like you're more active now. and you're. I mean, yeah, you know, um, I have to kind of take it as it goes. Um, So like some days I have more capacity to do stuff and it's sort of like the fatigue end of things is sort of like a relapse remission thing 
Um, but the aspergillosis is a lifelong condition. Uh, so I'm basically in remission. Um, if I've gone six months without needing steroids or antifungals to help me breathe. Um, and I was in remission. For, I've been in remission for about a year over the last three years of having it. <clears throat> Got so, it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, is it hard to smoke sometimes? I don't really have a prognosis. <clears throat> is it hard to smoke sometimes? Hard to smoke? Yeah. It can be, um, but not so much usually. No. Um, even when I was really sick with COVID, like, you know, one of the things that I did the first time, way back in the early days before anyone would say it was anything but asthma, is I, I, I kept smoking. Um and like making sure I would do that because I could feel it expanding my lungs and I could, I could even feel like things like popping open sometimes like in my lower airways. So after getting COVID again in December, um, uh, the part I left out was when I talked to my allergist about it, she said, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword where it's a bronchodilator, but also the particulates are irritating to my airways and my sinuses, you know? So there's a cost benefit thing going on, but when I got COVID again, I decided, you know, I'll take coughing up some more gunk if it keeps my, my airways open and healthy, you know, and I, I, for me, that's part of managing the breathing problems that like happen afterwards from the inflammation. Mm. Well, I'm glad so, that works for you. you know, I mean, have you tried vaping? Is that any different? Or? It is different. Um, you know, I ha I've tried a volcano with the new kind with the whip that goes through a bubbler, and it's just too dry and hot. It's all too dry and hot. Uh, so that actually bothers my airways a lot more than smoking does. Oh, okay. Strange. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I was just curious about that for, for people mm -hmm. that have those troubles. So what's the future for you, yeah. man? What What's your breeding projects and, like, what's what's your plans for all this time you got on your hands now? That's a good question. You know, um, right now I'm just kind of going to keep plugging forward with trying to work stuff together that is both easy to keep alive and has really strong medicinal benefits. Um, you know, I'll keep growing for myself um, and, it's a little uncertain, you know, the seed market right now is just it's in a really bad place. Um, and a lot of people are really struggling trying to make money doing that right now. So um, I'm sure you got some fans, though, that would some other stuff I'm pursuing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure you got some fans yeah, though, know, that would like to see some. Yeah, I'm 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 working on some stuff. I definitely want to release some things from the uh black rose or from the uh pink rose, pink platinum male. Um and I'm testing five crosses right now from him that I'm also in the process of making like enough seed for to to distribute. Um so uh, we'll see how testing goes on those. Mm -hmm. They're going straight from seed to 1113 light cycle uh, 11 hours on 13 hours off from seed so i won't get like the full picture of you know their structure and stuff like that but i'll get enough of an idea of 
you know, if they're going to be problematic with terms and stuff, because that's a pretty good stress test uh, to kind of know if I want to move forward with releasing any of those. Yeah. Any, uh, any advice? Uh, but I have, um, good. Oh no. I got, I got males lying around. I have enough males and females right now that I could, I could crank off like 200 crosses if I just kind of lined them up and did them in order. So it's sort of like excessive and trying to narrow it down to like which ones are going to pair well is sort of the biggest, uh, the biggest thing on my plate right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a lot of options. <laughs> but but well, really... 25 females and eight males you know <laughs> well yeah 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 and really good males at that too um yeah how right. what's your how do you make a selection across what's your method to the madness um really what it boils down to is with a couple of exceptions um, so like the lamb's bread sour diesel, I just really like breeding with that plant because I really like the offspring from her. Um, but generally, I don't like smoking that one because she gives me anxiety, but her offspring usually doesn't. So, but the basic criteria are female plant that I really like smoking, that I want to keep smoking more of and keep growing, right? Mm. Um, and then if I find a male that is fragrant, uh, doesn't auto flower out, you know, with mistreatment, you know, he's hardy and then he's resinous when I flower him out all the way. If I can really like a lot of resin, uh, that's kind of the criteria. He's, he's earned his shot, you know? Um, so yeah, if I, <laughs> if I smell a male plant and I'm like, damn, I wish that was a female. That's also like, <laughs> Got it. It's a pretty good it. way to earn his way into the breeding room. Now, how do you yeah. pair that with a female then? Like, I mean, like, how do you decide? Call and chucking. Turping, <laughs> just going for it. Call and chucking usually. Yeah, there's no, because the thing is, like, people go about this a lot of different ways, right? Yeah. But until you grow out the offspring, you just have no idea if it's going to be an amazing cross or not. There's, there's absolutely no way to tell that in advance just from the parents. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just, you know, my first pollination on using a male is usually going to be an open pollination of a lot of females. Mm -hmm. I might, you know, not have a huge amount of seed for many of them, um, but then I can grow those out. There will be enough that I can kind of like, let other people check it out and stuff. And then the ones that are really good from that, maybe I'll go back and fill that same space with four to six big females instead of 25 little ones. Right. Um, so that's kind of like the, the process because really, I, you know, otherwise I could be like, this plant is really good for sleep. And this male smells really good. And I could put them together and yeah. I could get some plant that smells and tastes like crap and gives me anxiety. <laughs> and doesn't help right. me sleep. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. And all of the offspring could carry those traits. You know, you, you yeah. just don't know until you grow the offspring. So mm -hmm. for me, like, I kind of view, like, pollen chucking as sort of the necessary first step. Unless you, like, absolutely like know the recessive and dominant traits of the male and the female 
which I don't know. I don't know anybody that is like working right. that way, except maybe like, like, like Shanti Baba from Mr. Nice, like, like JD and DJ. Yeah. Yeah. With that F4 mail. Right. Like, I don't know anyone else who can really like say what the male is going to do before they pair it with a female. Right. You know? Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so, so you have to, yeah. do, you grow out a lot then. I mean, you personally. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, a big part of it is, is growing those plants out. Um, killing ones that don't perform like really good from the start if you're making selections. Um, and otherwise, yeah, I mean, like it's, it's fun, you know, if, if, if you're breeding on like a kind of like hobby, you know, like I don't want to say professional, but like semi like public level, um, you know, you get to grow a lot of clones and find the moms that you really like smoking. And you get to grow a lot of seeds out and you kind of have an excuse to grow all these seeds out and not take clones from them when otherwise you would because you bought them, you know, so like I'll, I can throw four to six seeds per pot and whittle that down to one female per pot. Um, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's fun going through all those numbers and seeing the different stuff that kind of pops up with whatever other frequency and kind of that's how you sort of start being able to, tri to triangulate like you know how often is a really uncommon plant going to come up you know like something that really sticks out yeah that's you what might, I... you're you can find a keeper in 12 seeds but like something that one percent plant is like something really really special absolutely yeah it's a unicorn man what do you think you'll find one and if you do what would you do with it um, I think that male is one and I'm pollinating a whole room with him right now. <laughs> nice. I have six backups of that plant. Like four of them are just sitting in a clone tray, like not getting watered or fed and they're just green and happy and healthy. Like I, I, I can't like, I have to throw away clones from him to like have space. Like he's just, he's not going anywhere. You know? <laughs> Have so, you ever, have you ever yeah, thought I kinda, about? I kind of found that one where. Have you ever thought about uh, Sorry, collecting? What? Well, have you ever thought about collecting his pollen in mass and uh, maybe uh, doing that yeah. direction? I'm considering it. Um, one of the things that makes me nervous is I've just never really stored pollen for a long time, so I'm I'm not all that confident in my abilities to deliver on my end. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Cause I'm, pollen I'm scared can... of people getting it and it's losing viability. Yeah. 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 Pollen can go so bad. Like quickly. That's probably. Yeah. That That's probably the kind of thing where like, I would like, um, offer to include it as a freebie. Maybe, um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of leaning towards releasing clones of him to like just people that seem chill. Um, it's one of those things where like a number of people are going to claim that they found it from something else that they rename it to. But in the end, you know, that's my best chance at like always having access. If I, you know, if 10 other people get copies 
than there we go. Um, I, I think that what I was saying was I'm actually considering I'm, I'm leaning more towards like uh, uh, sharing tests of them of of that mail with people than just calling, mm-hmm. um, which is something super like unheard of in cannabis breeding, but. It's a pretty good way to like secure getting your getting your cuts back if anything ever happens to them. So hopefully, unless they came out of the nineties, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you're not going to get them back. Uh, it's, yeah, no. <laughs> so, well, I just want to say sorry, sorry about the interruption. I, I we kind of froze up there, so that's why we kind of took back. Oh yeah, no, my apologies. Too. It's all good. So, so is there anything else you want to talk about, brother? Now that you have a chance, um, I don't know. Let's see. Anything going on you want to talk what about? We cover? Um, I don't know. It's been a it's been a crazy few years, hasn't it, man? Yeah. Where do you uh, where do you where do you think things are headed right now? Like with you know, it, it seems like a lot less people are getting sick, and um, you know, all the governments seem to be kind of opening up and stuff. Yeah, like, April third. What's just... your take? Do you think? Yeah. I don't know. Like, as far Do you as think that, we're like kind of on the tail end of it. it. It seems like it, or or we're just ignoring it now. Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how in like one year it could just all go away. Like, people are still getting sick with it. I do know that I have a couple friends that um, that basically they, I guess you said long term COVID or whatever, where like every six months they're getting COVID, mm-hmm. and it's like almost on the dot yeah. like literally almost on the dot like every friggin' six months they're getting yeah it. uh it's weird and then like for me though I, I knock on wood i have had the shots not all the boosters and shit but i got the first two shots or whatever but i've had cool. co i have i've had covid and and i've had it twice uh but let me tell you it, for whatever reason it just doesn't affect me very hard the the worst i get is a little That's bit awesome. Yeah, I, I'm lucky. I'm lucky, and I appreciate that for for the fact that health is so fucking important, bro. You know, as you know, it's yeah. it's it's the it can mean happiness and not happiness. It can mean depression, and it it can mean a way of life, or it, it's it's can be great or debilitating. It, it's screwed up, man. But um, um, but uh, where was I going with that? Uh. With the COVID, I, I, I get it and I only get a, a sniff, you know, little sniffles and, but I completely lose taste. Like I, even beyond cold, like okay, I, I could be, I could eat anything and have zero knowledge of what it is, uh, hot or otherwise. It completely just destroys whatever activates your tongue. But, but other than that, I can function like a normal human yeah. being. So I'm lucky. Uh, but so That's I don't cool. really think about, yeah, I really <laughs> yeah. don't think about it, uh, which, I don't mean like that in the sense that I don't think about other people, but I mean, I just don't, right. I don't worry about it quite like other people have to or do. Um, and then April 3rd, we just dropped the mask. Yeah. Right. So in medical setting yeah. anyways. Yeah. So, even in healthcare setting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I have some close friends that go through it every friggin' six months. Yeah. I'm a, uh... You know, I mean, so the whole issue is that it was a novel coronavirus, right? And yeah. Our, our bodies, it was novel to our immune systems. And it's kind of not to anybody anymore. Right. Um, you know, like, 
I follow what's going on with things pretty closely, and India right now is seeing like this huge surge, right? Like, um, I think a week ago they were having like 2,000 new cases a day, which was like they were like, oh no, it's surging. But then it was like just under 10,000 two days ago, and then it was just over 10,000 new cases yesterday. But what we're not seeing are like a bunch of hospitals getting filled up and like all these yeah. like super morbid situations like that. That's true. So, you know, um, the numbers from India are kind of like, it's kind of scary in the sense that this is like, this seems to be what we're willing to accept. But, you know, right now, like basically it, it, it's about, twice as lethal as like the average flu so it's killing like 1.6 percent of the people getting it and everybody that gets it gives it to two other people right so what i keep thinking is like imagine a world where like there had never been a pandemic over the last few years and you wake up and you just check the news on your phone and it's like there's this flu that just swept the globe and infected like almost like everybody and like you're almost guaranteed gonna get it and like it's twice as deadly as the flu and it can cause all these long-term problems and you should do nothing about it yeah kind of like i'm like man like that's it's what we've come to because everything was so like tooth and nail about like closures and like everybody wearing masks everywhere all the time and I just kind of think like, you know, like it needs to be over in a lot of ways, because if you ever need people to really like adhere to stuff like that again, you better stop now because <laughs> like, it's already at the point where in three years, if they're like, oh, no, this thing's happening. Everybody put your masks back on. There's going to be pushback, right? Oh, yeah. So, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean. What do you think next year is going to be like? We're dropping mitigation members. and Next year, I mean, it's hard to say. Um, I hope everything just keeps on the trajectory it's going, which is this really, like, slow decline. Obviously, with ups and downs, you know. Um, I feel like next year is going to be when I'm going to be able to start seeing, like, older members of my family that are, like, taking things really seriously and like haven't had visitors in a few years um you know some of them are still really scared of what's happening because they're a lot older um that's what i hope at the same time um you know like i'm also very realistic so the 1918 flu pandemic was declared over in 1918 by most wealthy countries but it persisted until 1921 as a pandemic. And there have been like at least two more significant pandemics from the same flu strain since then. So like kind of where you draw the line between something starting and ending is blurry at best. Yeah, it is really blurry. Um, so, I mean, it, it really, a lot of it just depends on what the, what viruses decide to do. Um, if somebody gets infected with two strains of COVID at the same time, they could mutate into one that is like super pathogenic, makes people really sick. And it's also super transmissive. It could also kind of mutate itself into just another common cold, mm-hmm. you know, 
um, or someone could get infected with COVID and MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, which has like a 30 to 50% mortality rate. And those two coronaviruses could, you know, kind of like recombine and we're all just fucked. Like back to worse than square one. I mean, there's just this thing didn't exist five years ago. So no. it's kind of hard to say like, you know, what'll happen next year based on the trajectories. But I'm ready for things to go back to normal. I, I think everybody's physical and mental health on some level has taken a hit. Um, even if you're staying active, there was a long period where people just weren't able to socialize the way they needed to. And that does stuff to your vagus nerve, which affects your body and that affects your brain. And, you know, um, people need to be able to kind of feel like they're more in control of their lives. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that's, that's what we can count on happening next year is that it's going to be more of like a personal choice in terms of how we react to whatever comes next. That's kind of scary at the same time. Yeah. And when you mean like what comes next, you mean like not with necessarily with COVID, right? You mean like in general, like could be, could yeah. be another pandemic, you know, I it mean, could be COVID. It could be world war three. Right. It could be some other pandemic. I mean, dude, the last thing we need is like a severe flu pandemic. Like yeah, if you look yeah. at like how people handled COVID and then if you picture that being <laughs> something where like yeah. it's, like taking out like more than half the population mm. everybody got covid that means half the planet's gone if there's a flu pandemic like that well i mean you're right you're <laughs> right I, yeah because yeah 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 pretty much everybody got it and it's like people don't really like yeah and you could never tell we like out that it was well if you're the right person too i mean like i said i'm i'm so lucky that it, it doesn't really affect me but then you can turn around and look at someone else my age that seems to be in the same health and it crushes him. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's kind of like also, I, mean, I, I got crushed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, man. I know. And, but, but like my kids had it, my wife had it. Mm -hmm. They're okay. Yeah. You know, you had it. You're okay. Right. Right. I, just kind of looking at it as like a, a collective we. Like collectively, although there have been some casualties, we all dodged a big bullet on this one. Like it, it really was like just COVID when it's all said and done. If you look at it in the context of like weaponized smallpox yeah, or like MERS, you know, for example, sure. or something like Ebola where like you can catch it without, you know, I mean, there's just, and that's just, from a viral standpoint yeah mm -hmm. pandemics happen unlikely that's going to happen in the near future but there's going to be some shit next year that we all have to deal with it's going to be politics it's going to be global situations you know with climate change and, and people doing crazy things to each other with weapons and planes and um it's the p political yeah, i don't know man i have no idea what 2024 is doing i know man i i honestly am glad i'm f getting older right <laughs> i don't know i feel i really feel bad for my daughter you know she's five and man some of the stuff yeah. she's gonna deal with jeez man i but it's but political climate the health climate is so always topsy 
topsy-turvy right now. It's insane, man. It's creepy. I try to stay in my house, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah, me too, dude. So, like, I had the weirdest experience um, when all the all the BLM stuff was really, like, you know, taking its traction. Um, where every time I turn on the media, I'm sitting there with pneumonia and, like, I can't breathe. And then I turned on the, the, the videos of all these people marching, chanting, I can't breathe. It doesn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> I was just like, it was this weird, like yeah. surreal thing. Like, I mean, it's funny, and I, I don't mean to like make light of what led to those protests. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And I'm in full support of, of of you know Black Lives Matter, but it was it was just such a weird like. I was like, yeah, I can't breathe. Like, yeah, there, you know, I was like, soon none of you guys can breathe. <laughs> well, yeah, there's some humor inside. <laughs> ironic stuff going on there for sure it's some some yeah yeah that's true i think that was i think that those were i think those were really important i think that what happened with all of that was really important for um the youth of america because you know when i was 18 um or like yeah when i was 18 bush got uh, uh bush jr won the election against Al Gore and then like invaded Afghanistan and then invaded Iraq and, you know, because of the weapons of mass destruction that weren't there, they're, you know, they're taking out this dictator and that dictator. And, you know, we protested in San Francisco, like big, like, you know, we looking back on it, it's like, we were just stopping people from going to their jobs and stuff. So I feel kind of bad about that, but like it got attention. But like it didn't change anything and it was so just disheartening. Um and then it fizzled out really fast because the government was doing what the government was doing. And this whole thing with BLM is different because, you know, there's no like single entity that is being protested against. Um, you know, at least this interesting thing where even if you don't see an immediate change, that doesn't mean that there wasn't progression towards like a better goal. Um, and I think that, you know, the young people, especially who are involved in, you know, BLM and the fact that that's still something that people even talk about a couple of years later after everything, I think that's huge. Um, and I think that that's really going to kind of empower, you know, people who were part of that to, do other things and and keep speaking out you know like about that and whatever the hell else they want to speak out about because people are going to see it it's going to be all over the news if you raise enough hell mm-hmm. you know and then maybe sooner or later you don't have to keep raising the same level of noise to get the attention you know maybe people will start listening without everybody taking to the streets and yelling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know but yeah, I feel like that one, I feel like that one really like, you know, coming from a history of like growing up around protests and, and, uh, you know, like social awareness. I, I feel like that was a, a big win for what it was. You know, um, people were heard. There's still people who oppose that movement who are upset about it. And I think that, that is a big win. That means that it really kind of sunk in where it needed to. So. 
maybe maybe some more social action in 2024 would be really cool. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, um, I, I think it's inevitable, uh, whatever that may be. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> different times, man, you know. I don't what yeah what, what generation are you anyway just out of curiosity are you I think technically I'm like as old as a millennial can be I was born in really early 85 okay so I mean you're like borderline gen yeah. x even yeah I think I think I'm like literally like on the cusp yeah between the two by like a few months <laughs> I'm like I'm like the super old not cool millennial <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> And 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 not the accepted Gen X either. Really young Gen. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like I wasn't. I'm too young. I wasn't there. No. (laughs) Yeah, you're too young, or you're retarded millennial. So, oh man, you're just it sucks. (laughs) Oh well, at least you were still. You still were able to kind of know. You know, without the internet and weird stuff like that. You know, you're kind of still able to have a taste of. Not quite yeah. so yeah. electronic yet, but <laughs> yeah, like the the screens were like playing Sega Genesis right. when I was a kid, you know, or watching like sure. Rugrats or Ren and Stimpy on Nickelodeon, but it wasn't like everywhere, you know. I did you grow up with cannabis? A lot of time outside riding my bike. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it did, yeah. Um, a lot of my friends' parents grew. Uh, just growing up in Oakland, I'd say probably like half of my friends' parents had plants in their yard. Um, and then it wasn't really something I was directly exposed to until like I was probably like 12, 12 or 13. Um, I had my own direct experiences and also like caregiving for other people. So yeah, it's something, something that I've been around from a really young age. Um, but also, you know, I almost called the cops on my mom when I was six years old because I found her pipe and weed under her bed and I was in there. So, like, I thought my mom was going to die because of this shit. Oh, and no. I, like, I, like, totally, like, you know, my, yeah, because my parents, that's when they started talking to me about drugs was after I found my mom's weed and thought that, like, oh, okay. everything was all bad. You know, basically my perspective was like, oh, shit, like I live in a crack house, you know? Oh, OK. Um, so, yeah, that that was kind of when it was like, OK, we need to talk about this. Like, it's not like that other stuff. And no, and that's the thing. It's so interesting. Kind of like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting like that. I because that's how I grew up. You know, I found my dad's stash and I thought it was like, you know, some sort of like, you know, it's devil's lettuce and it's, you yeah. know, the, yeah. just looking at, it, it's going to, you know, burn my eyes. And with my kids, I was the opposite, man. They never knew anything different. Like they did no different, but they were educated from day one. As soon as, you know, not yeah. that, not that I just smoked around them, but like they, they never had to find anything. Like they knew about it when they were able to. And I talked to them about it and it, it was just never a thing. In fact, my daughter and my son don't, yeah, I've, don't have any interest at all. No, I think that's I think that's one of the things that can happen if you normalize it. Exactly. Like it's just this other boring thing that your parents do sometimes, like you know, right? Versus like it seemed so cool when I was when I was twelve or thirteen. Or I know I yeah I wanted you know, to try it. Kids, yeah. 
Yeah. Just to know. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they tell you all this stuff. It sounds so interesting. I just <laughs> tell my kids, I'm like, it makes you feel kind of different. Like some, it, it all makes you feel different. Some people like how it makes them feel. And that's okay. If you're grown up, you know, some people use it as medicine. Yeah, and it doesn't pique their interest it's that just way. A thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 My daughter is really interested in it. Um, she like, a little rebellious, you know, in terms of like. Uh, <laughs> well, no, actually, it's more like she's she's honestly fascinated with all the different smells that it makes. Because she's like, "How does it? How come all these different plants in the yard like smell like other stuff?" You know, and I'm like, "Well, because." That's just one of the things that's cool about this plant, you know? Exactly. Like it can, you can make it smell like kind of whatever you want, you know? And she's like, wow. Like, can you make it smell like this? I'm like, I don't know. You'll have to try when you're older. <laughs> <laughs> Go make it smell like unicorns. I don't know. Like, yeah. Unicorn you know? poop. There you go. But, uh, yeah. So, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the cool thing that came with legalization or recreation. You know, is uh, we don't have to hide it from our kids the same way. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm not like hotboxing a room with them around or anything. Right. Uh, but I mean, I've I've been like you know smoking out the window at night when I mm -hmm. thought my kids were asleep and one of them like pops into my room like mm -hmm. needing something. Right. And I get to just put it down. It doesn't have to be this whole big. <gasps> thing oh, when yeah. that happens yeah and you know like you know? yeah like and we'll even tell our kids we'll be like okay you kids need to go off and play outside or go in your room or something or go do something because mm -hmm. mom and dad are going to smoke right now and we don't want you in here so go mm -hmm. get <laughs> yep and they're like ah fine they don't yeah, like it anyway. i had to be honest about it too because you know I, I wanted to distinguish between cigarettes yeah that was a big thing for me is i really wanted my kids to know that i wasn't smoking cigarettes Education, man. So like, that's when, like, the real honest exchange happened. Yeah. They were like, isn't smoking bad? And I was like, okay, time to learn the difference between different ways that people smoke different stuff. Because you're right, most of the time it's bad. It's bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not with this stuff, but, like, out of all the things you can smoke, right? usually it's not going to be a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and see, that's the thing. It's just education yeah. is key, man. You know, We've went over over and over and over and over and over and over and over how the war on drugs was just not effective at all. I mean, no, your brain on I mean, drugs I, I campaign. Think it's effective in, yeah, it's effective in keeping people in prison. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep the money rolling. <laughs> really in. good at that. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Really well, effective at that. Not effective at what we've been told it's for, though. No, and it kind of concerns me um, about, and maybe you can tell me what you think of this, Oregon's, you know, new measure, uh, the psilocybin measure. Um, you know, I'm concerned about how they're keeping it uh, therapeutic only. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I see the potential with it. I know the potential with it, personal use. Uh, so, I mean, I know the benefits, but my concern is that, like, these centers are going to cost a lot of money. And, uh, when there's there, right. And so it's going to only cater to people that can afford it. And the problem with that is, is if they're going to have these extreme amounts of, you know, or the prices are going to be high, uh, 
that's going to create an instant greed where the healthcare industry in that sector is not want to, going to want to give up that money. So, right. it, so for it to already be put into facilities like this, health facilities, health centers, it's really limiting the potential for it to be either recreationally legal or at least accessible to a much more wider, more, uh, you know, a market where there's, uh, it can be more afforded, whatever that may be. Um, and I know the greed there will stand because these medical professions are not going to want to give up thousand dollar sessions for $30 highs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, and, that, that, um, that concerns me. Um, on that side of it. Yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing last night, actually. Uh, I was reading, I was reading up on kind of the, the details of, you know, what all this is. And, um, the two things that, that kind of struck me was one, it's being structured in a way that is ready to just hand over to the medicine for profit system. Right. Um, like if this works, it's already set up in a way where insurance companies can start having their hands in it and the big hospitals and all that. And the other thing that struck me was how little faith is being demonstrated in the capacity of citizens to use something like that in a safe way. Right. It's almost like, like, yeah, this can help people, but like, there's this, there's this sort of like, there's an implied danger, you know, to the way they're doing it. There's this implied like abuse risk and there's an implied harm risk, I think. Um, and I think both of those are probably legitimate to a degree, but for people who don't really understand hallucinogens and aren't you know, never taken mushrooms or acid or anything, they might have a very different idea of what they're going into. And I also worry that it could kind of skew people's experiences going into it as this like, you know, really controlled thing. Because why does all that control have to be there? And you're taking mushrooms. So like, yeah, all this control you're supposed to be given in. Not what your brain's. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, Having a friend as a as a as a trip sitter is way different than having a nurse as a trip sitter or a therapist. Yeah, know? and and I find it unnerving that people are going to. What's going to happen is it's going to be the pharmaceutical drug syndrome, and what I mean by that is you can take, you know, cannabis or whatnot. And if the pharmaceutical company doesn't make a pill out of it, it's, it's not good for you. It's not, you know, it's a bad drug, but if the pharmaceutical company Mm -hmm. gets a hold of it, authorizes it, synthesizes it, isolates it, puts it in a pill, then it's okay. So it's almost like the same taste with this, with psychedelics. Well, unless you pay two grand, go to a facility and do it this way, then it's just a street drug. It's bad for you. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, it's, yeah, it, for the same 30, I could spend $30 and get the same epiphany and the same mental health that I could from that same $2,000 from this fucking framework that they think is 
the right way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, interesting story. I, I had a, like, not, not really negative experience, but like a not very good experience with medical ketamine actually. And it was prescribed to me via telehealth from a practitioner in California. It was all completely legal. They sent it to me from a pharmacy in like Vancouver, Washington or Olympia or something where they, you know, dosed up these things with ketamine. And... Oh. <laughs> I lost you again. <laughs> We're back. We're back. All right. Uh, well, that. so you're saying ketamine, you got it prescribed from it from uh, Cali. Yeah. I was able to go online and like talk to somebody for like half an hour about my history with like PTSD and hallucinogen use. And they prescribed it to me and it got mailed to my house from a pharmacy in Washington state like Vancouver or Olympia or something. And uh, the instructions were like, take one and see how you feel and take another one if you want, which is what I did. And then I like blacked out and I like don't remember anything. So it wasn't really therapeutic. And then I woke up and I like had to, like, I, like I moved too fast and had to throw up and it was just awful. Like I felt sick for the rest of the day. Like, Ugh. like I never used any of the rest of it. Like, and that was, like that was completely legal hmm. and i'm like why can i do that but i can't chalinate the mushrooms and like take it in my bed and <laughs> right through that process right yeah you know um that's kind of what really stood out as like a contrast to me i'm like well they'll mail me a gram of ketamine like <laughs> <laughs> yeah know. yeah well and it's not like psilocybin anesthesia <laughs> Yeah, and it's not like psilocybin is hard to come by. That's why I I, I find it disheartening that yeah. that 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 now a doctor has to sign off to tell you that it's that it's medically good for you. I mean, yeah, man, bro, it's like I don't know. So here we go with the pill thing. It's like so, and that's going to set the stage for people's you know thought process with it. It's going to be like, oh well. Sure, I could buy, you know, some on the street or from my neighbor or whatever, but, you know, I'm going to go spend five grand instead, make sure I have medical therapy, you know, it's like, uh, okay. Yeah, like it's somehow going to be an inherently more like beneficial experience. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean. People have been doing this a long time <laughs> well that's the that's the other hilarious part about these whole drug you know outlawed drugs is that this still goes on like people are still taking mushrooms daily steve people are still macro dosing like yeah. a mofo out there every day man yeah like you know if we we're gonna yeah. be filling hospitals with this shit we'd already be doing it <laughs> you know so i don't know man oh uh, the medical industry has got to get their foot so. i was just I was just reminded of this movie. This is a little off topic, but it's about mushrooms. Um, and it was this movie that I used to watch, like when I was, you know, in college, and we'd like eat mushrooms and put something on the TV while we all gripped out. And it's called Altered States. Have you ever seen it? It's about the guy that like doses on mushrooms in the sensory deprivation chamber. Uh, you I'm, should check this out, man. Okay, I believe I have, but I I will. Like, I'll make sure. 
it's really cool. Like at the beginning, he, he like gets the mushrooms from like the, the shaman in Mexico after consuming this like pea made with like blood and mushrooms. And then he takes it back. And his whole thing is like his like sensory deprivation like experiment. So then he incorporates that. And like basically like it, it's kind of hard to explain from there, but like like it, it, it explores the concept of like that setting and that substance allowing your just everything to be evolved like it's super cool nice like it's like a really trippy movie it's kind of hard to like explain it past that okay which is also very trippy is it a movie or documentary <laughs> it's a movie yeah oh, okay. from like the like late 80s or something oh, okay yeah you know a guy like evolves into like a like a neanderthal or something he's running around he keeps going <laughs> like running around <laughs> pretty awesome all right all right i'll check it out <laughs> yeah it's good stuff all right brother well so i kept you on long enough man um i feel like we've talked pretty much about everything that's going on um yeah but why don't you uh let us know where we can find you uh i know you got ig i don't know if you still have your website up yeah i think that's place that my, my website you can find the website through the ig it is uh what is it? At Green Work 420. On IG, correct. So yes. Not Green Works. No, Green Works. A lot work. of people a lot of people confuse the Green Works. It's like a that's like a like a they, they make like chainsaws and stuff. But green Work 420 on Instagram. Um, <laughs> it's probably just the easiest place to go. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. All right, well there, and then you can find the website up top in the profile. Yeah, yeah, websites in the uh, in the little bio on the Instagram. All right, brother, I really appreciate it, man. I I appreciate you taking the time to come on yeah. and and for being patient on the beginning of this. <laughs> yeah, hey, same here, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we worked through the uh, little technical difficulties. 